Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Chandler Vinoy, here as always with my co-host, Todd Atkins. What? And today we are excited to have... A long time. I don't do that very often. I used to do it all the time. It, that one was a short I'm excited. I was a little honestly freaked out by the mousy sound coming from your <laughs> okay. side of the table. Already. Mousy. All right. I won't do that again. <laughs> but if it's your trademark, the mousy sound is your it trademark. It used to be a long, long time ago. Like this podcast is like eight, nine years old. Podcast years, I don't even know. We're we're up there. Jurassic. Yep. <laughs> OG. <laughs> For sure. Yep. We need to have Barnabas on sometimes. But that's not that's not why we're here. Because we have Dave Milam with us today. We are already getting sidetracked. Exactly. That's we're gonna, the way that we roll. We're gonna try to stay focused here. But we will stay focused. That's why we have five questions, sir. Exactly. To keep us focused, right? Yes. Well, Dave, if you do not know who Dave Milam is, he is the Vice President of Strategic Design at Visioneering Studios. And Dave, just tell us a little bit about Visioneering Studios and what you do there and how you came to do that. Well, thanks for having us, by the way. Having us, I said us like I'm multiple personalities. It's just Dave here. <laughs> it's just me. It's <laughs> just me think? sitting on this. But yeah, Visionary is super cool because Visionary, um, we get to help with design and architecture and interior design with really churches across the country. And um, it's been crazy. I, I expected when we were getting ready to go through the, a pandemic, <laughs> we didn't know, nobody, nobody knew, but I would have started freaking out and thinking things were about to completely shut down. Right. But we did so much work during the pandemic. I was a little shocked. Hmm. So we're, we're doing more projects now than we've ever done before. It's pretty amazing. Do you feel like that was because churches were like, hey, we're not having to get ready Sunday to Sunday. Totally. There's there's time for us to Very do a remodel or... Yeah, well, I mean, if you think, think about it from that perspective, it's totally strategic. However, churches were also completely panicking about the money situation. Yeah, right. You know, even though they were doing well, they were afraid the bottom was going to drop out any moment. So they were super conservative, but the, I mean, the building was empty. Right. For, for a while. For a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, let's hop in here. We're talking about the five questions to keep us on track. Let's, let's go ahead and jump in here. So when you, th when you think, as you're looking at spaces or even, you know, talking with a church leader, how does the design of an environment affect the experience of the people in it? We may not even realize it, but when we walk into somewhere, we do have an experience. Oh, yeah. I don't know if people like to admit this or not, but... Like the environment is really, really important. And there are some people, like when we go to some churches, I'm, I'm going to give you hate mail. How about that? Yeah. Name names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are some people who are like, you just got to preach the Bible and people, will, which is, yeah. Yes. I mean, it happened for Jesus, right? He didn't, he had a great environment like the sea and stuff like that. But, <laughs> but environment is really, really important to the American church for sure. You know, and we've gotten, we're a visual culture. And so we have gotten so good at walking into an environment, like let's say a restaurant you've never been to and doing a two second scan and going, yeah, I'm in, or yeah, I'm not eating here. Mm -hmm. Like we can judge an environment really quickly and know really what the entire experience is going to be like right. by just by walking in. And it's interesting though, too, because you can have great people in a poor environment and walk right out of that restaurant. It's true. You it's have, true. You're going to have quality volunteer staff, everybody. And I'm walking right back out the Isn't door. Isn't that camera. crazy, though? Like, because it's, you, they may serve, though, I will be honest, this is a rebuttal to that. There are some terrible hole in the wall restaurants yep. that I will go to. 
I can't think of them right now, but there are some that I'm like, I would never go to this place, but this is really great. I can think of a few. (laughs) I love those, but I think there's a difference. You kind of, you already know what you're going to get there. And maybe that's part of it. I don't well, what know. do you what do you say about the church? He's like, see, there's a restaurant that looks like junk. We can too. <laughs> like, what do you say about that? Okay, so biblically, I think there is a representation of leadership in the Bible of shepherd and steward. Admittedly, I've always leaned a little more on the stewardship side. I mean, you know, I'm a Greek, I'm a Hebrew. Yeah. But you don't want me preaching a sermon. <laughs> um, you want me, you know, running around in the, the back ends, noticing things that you don't notice anymore or things like that. I mean, it's super important. And I would say for those listeners who have, you know, you walk into a cathedral. I was in London a couple months ago and I walk in to, you know, some of those churches are like, yeah. Hundreds of years older than our country. And yeah. <laughs> you're just like in, you're in awe. Totally. Now, the weird thing was, and I'm going to totally sound like I'm name dropping. <laughs> Let's do I'm this. not name dropping. Let's do this right now. Um, I was just hanging out with her. <laughs> so uh, we go to Oxford and we're with, uh, with N.T. Wright. And this should be an incredible experience, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But he is talking about. That was a solid name. John drop. Wesley. Yeah. <laughs> Ran through that door. No, uh, John Wesley, you know, did this here. And Whitfield ran through that door and grabbed a hold of this altar. And, you know, but I'm looking around as an executive pastor eyes and I'm going, there are cords everywhere. (laughs) There's like this place is a mess. Mm -hmm. Can you not see this? Can you not see that? Versus. Some of the other churches I went in that are probably look more like a museum. This church is still actually in use and is a little messy, but it makes you feel different. One makes you feel a sense of awe and inspired. And this is you've already created an environment that set me up to have a specific experience. Right. So it was just more conducive to the experience. Did it make me have it? No, but you you removed a lot of barriers for me just by the way that you set the table. Yeah, and I honestly think those hole-in-the-wall places that you walk into and you're like, man, this place is a mess. There's something authentic and real about it. And it's not like those places are not like neglected. They're just typically... Like that, I don't making the stuff up. I'm you're giving me a weird face. No. I'm like, what is happening no, right now? I've told but, you before but, this yeah, started. This is my face. I'm sorry. Oh, that's true. I have resting board face. I can't really help that. Um, I but just I think like there's this. something authentic about that, and something real and intentional about really every every part of that experience. And I feel like as we're working with the church across the states, environment is really really important. So that moves us to, I think, uh, our second question is, how does design establish or reinforce values and culture? Because you could say all these people are doing are placing a higher value on some things than others, and it's reflected in the environment. Yeah, it's almost like you should be able to look at the church and tell what they value. Like, look at the building and tell what they value. I know that some say you can look at their checkbook and know what they value. Totally true. Right. But you can also look at the building and 
know what they're trying to value. There are a lot of people across the country who legitimately are just trying to, they're fighting their building, they're, but they're trying to make it work. They're doing their best to have kids security, to have engaging kids environments because, you know, they once went to a church where there was that and they're right. trying their best to do that because maybe that's something they value. But I think sometimes it's a struggle because how do I say this? I think the, the things that the American church values right now is very different than what we valued 20 years ago. That's and fair. the buildings we're living in right now were created 20 years ago, yeah. most of them. And so there's this tension that we're wrestling with where 20 years ago, we valued the Sunday morning experience right. where everybody came in and we put on a great show. And honestly, please leave because we need your seat and we need your parking space. <laughs> yes. And the buildings were designed to do that. I've actually had conversations about flipping a service, oh, like using that, using that terminology of taking pride almost in, okay, how fast can you flip the service? Like yeah. how fast can you go from yeah, yeah, yeah. one service to the next, from moving people from here to there? Like in the restaurant in it, industry, we flip want to the table, the table mm-hmm. over and over yeah. again. If we can get it, you know, five, six times tonight, we'll be good. But for us at that point in time, we were very limited. So this is McLean days. We were very, we had 52 acres, but we could only use seven of them. Right. According to Fairfax County. Not going to go there. Uh, but <laughs> you did NT right name drop. So I did. That, uh, I won't get into any litigation issues though. But the big thing there was, you know, we, in order to continue to grow, we had to think about it that way. We couldn't expand our parking lot. So what do we do? Yeah. We added a parking deck, you know, all the, cheap. all the things, oh, it wasn't, <laughs> but it worked. Now, Okay, so uh, before we started the podcast, though, you talked about sometimes churches send mixed messages. So talk about examples of what some of those mixed messages are, because you can say these, this is our vision, this is our values. Yeah. You call um, it plumbing or something like that. What did you call it? I said poetry and plumbing. Yeah, poetry We're and plumbing. great in the church at the poetry part. We're great at saying stuff. Yeah. But then eventually you have to like deliver on the dream that you just presented. It's great to say this is our value. But how does that value live itself out in the environment, in the hallways? Well, I think that's actually one of the things that people say. Like, they'll stand up front. Poetry is, we really want people to connect here. Right. We're all about connection and relationship and blah, blah, blah. But the building is transactional. Yeah. Like, the building is made to flip it as yeah. fast as possible. Yeah, it really is. Like, so you actually, there are some buildings where if you leave the service and you actually try to have a conversation, you feel like you're in the way. Right. And 20 year, years ago, that design was intentional. Now, I will say this. longtime listeners of the podcast will probably remember me saying this story because I've said it more than once. And that is, um, there was a, a campus we had in Arlington that... It was full day one. We went to a second service day one. And what happened was I was always concerned with at the end of the service as we always had overflow. So there were seats set up in the lobby. And if you did not pull those seats, you were basically directing traffic right out the door. And we did want you to connect. We did want you to. And that was part of what the lobby space was for. In the main, you know, main campus, we had a humongous lobby and we just were able to set up different spaces where it's like, oh, here's a drop space where you can go and, you know, hang out and talk to people. But if you're in this space, you're going to be in the river that right, is moving right. river you know, to this, death. <laughs> this place or that yeah. place. But basically what we would do. So they hated it when I would come because I was always like pull, there. Pull the chairs. Pull the chairs. Like, you know, I'm talking to volunteers. 
and I'm talking to them before the prayer or if I'm really <laughs> honest during the prayer and saying, don't let these people sit down. Yeah. Uh, they're standing up and I want you to pull the chairs and stack them over there. So a lot of churches right now are being very intentional about that, that very thing where they're saying, okay, we have space for kids. We have space for seats in the auditorium, but where are the people going to pause and have a 15 minute conversation? Right. Cause we want those to happen. Cause if they can have a 15 minute conversation on Sunday morning, then it's possible that they're going to likely connect in a small group or go right. out to lunch with somebody and, mm -hmm. and we got them. You know, Dave, I'm, I'm thinking about this. Many of listening church leaders, pastors would go, Dave, I'd love to come to visioneering and just say, build us something brand new. You know, we'd love to start from the ground up. Somebody who's sitting there going, yeah, that building that was built for 20 years ago, man, we're sitting in a building just like that. So how do they make the best use of what they currently have? Because even as you were talking earlier, you know, I think a lot of churches would say we want to be excellent in our design. And oftentimes mm. when people hear that word excellent, they just go, well, we need a lot of money <laughs> to be able <laughs> yeah. to be excellent. But actually, <laughs> I heard somebody say excellence is just doing the best with what you have. Right. So there's uh, facilities environments that people have and they're just going, I'm not sure what to do here. Well, how can they do the best with what they have? Well, I think, um, honestly, if you get your brain around, start thinking about the guest length of stay. Have you, are you familiar with that? Very place? much. Our CEO was a former Disney Imagineer. And so I, every once in a while I get to sit down for lunch with him and out of the blue, he just throws out random stuff. Sometimes he's like, Hey, do you know why we built California Adventure? And I was like, well, no, <laughs> tell me all about why you built California. He's like, well, what's crazy is the Disney execs at the time did a study and found out that the average length of stay for the Disneyland guest was 0.7 of a day, which meant the guests would come in, they spend three quarters of a day and they would leave. And so they asked the question, what would it take for us to get to 1.2 of a day? And so the idea of California Adventure was born, which is a, basically a theme park on a parking lot. When it right. first was built, it was considered the worst theme park ever made. That's a title you want. <laughs> so there you go. But here's what happened. They, they did the, the theme park. They added a few hotels and they added downtown Disney. And I think when it opened, I'm, I may get this number wrong, but I think their average length of stay was 1.8 of a day. Which, if you're Disney, is a huge Massive. win. Yeah, because that means all of a sudden you're bringing in more dollars, way more dollars. You've doubled your revenue, you know? But if you're the church, and the average length of stay for the guest on a one-hour service is one hour and five minutes, then that tells you a lot about the guest, right? It tells right. you they're coming in, they're leaving early, they're picking up their kids, they're leaving, they're not talking to anybody. But if I can look at the length of stay, and I think that's a number that somehow we can track. I don't okay. know I don't know who's tracking it, but it's, it's a trackable number, I feel like. If we can get the average length of stay to be like an hour and 15 minutes, and, and not because we're holding people hostage because we've got bad parking, but <laughs> because legitimately people want to stay, mm then what happens is we're, we're creating environments where people can connect and com community is starting to happen. So when you're looking at, now to answer your question, when you're looking at your facility, some immediately will think, well, we need a bigger lobby. Right. However, if you look at the most engaging environments in your community, a lot of times they have really great engaging outdoor spaces from the restaurants with the outdoor porch to being super intentional about what's happening between the parking lot and the building. Right. And those spaces actually, per square foot amount of money it takes to build those spaces is super small compared to building a new building. So you can, in theory, 
double your lobby by being intentional about the outdoor spaces. Hmm. I really like that. And you don't have to be in Southern California to do that. No, but it would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> it would be nice. <laughs> true. And honestly, we have a we have a studio in California, and so that it doesn't matter what part of the country we're in, this is what we'll hear. Well, we're not in California. We're in Florida where it's hot, or we're in uh, Seattle where it's like, and they'll say, we don't do outdoor spaces here. And then I'll be able to drive five miles away to an outdoor mall where they've got right. great outdoor spaces. And I'm thinking, well, these retailers spent millions of dollars thinking you could do that. I don't know what mm, the right. deal is. Yeah. It is interesting to think of length of stay. I love that. I love that idea and how it would translate to the church because, you know, what we're measuring is impact more than dollars. Yeah. And so that ministry impact is really critical and crucial because what you're doing is you're it's almost like a community a biblical community score i don't know what kind of score it is but i like length of stay but that works regardless well it's interesting we, there, there was a huge conversation even years ago i don't know if it's still happening where we ask what, what is it we measure you know is it butts and seats is it mm-hmm. like does that is that really the metric we need right. to be following i don't know but um, I do think length of stay tells us something about right. the people who come. Well, let's let's kind of talk f- f- things that you're seeing. I in love the how you keep trends. us on track. I hey, I'm that. trying. I'm like trying. He has to. Yeah, that's no, good I, work. Good work. But what are some common mistakes that you see <laughs> churches make when it comes to designing a space? Maybe it is retrofitting, or maybe it is building from scratch. But what are some mistakes that you're seeing? I think what you mentioned before is one of the one of the critical mistakes that we see lots of churches across the country making there, they have their building and they're like, there's no possible way that this building could be cool or functional. And so their initial gut reaction is we just need to build new or we need to start over or let's just trash the whole thing and start over. And my favorite projects are the ones where we have limitations and we get to create great space out of current constraints and those end up being the coolest and most unique places. Like if you think about the coolest places in your city, often downtown there's this place where they revitalized it and you can see the old brick and totally. those are super cool. Um, now not every church can do that because some have the, you know, the mauve pews and the weird looking siding, but, um, but we can take old spaces and make them super cool. And I think most people think that that can't happen. They yeah. can't dream outside I, I the box. Start, yeah, yeah, yeah. Start over, knock it down. <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah. totally. It reminds me of. Have we talked about a beautiful constraint? The book, no, like offline. No, are I don't. you familiar with it? I'm not at all. Okay, it's by it, it's uh, Mark Barden, and I always mess that up. Adam Morgan and Mark Barden. I, I love always, the title, though. Well, it's really to say, hey guys, you know what? Creativity and innovation are not born out of an abundance of resources and abundance of time. Right. Which is a lot of times what, see, I'm going executive pastor on everybody again. (laughs) Um, I'm like, hey guys, I know you want more, especially creative people. Hey, I know you want an abundance of resources and abundance of time and all this. Here's what I know. Research says that necessity really is the mother of invention. It really is. And... If we want to build something beautiful, then even if constraint isn't there, we're going to impose constraints upon ourselves because the only yeah. way we're going to get somewhere is through that constraint. If the if everything's off the table and the sky's the limit and whatever, it's really hard to make decisions. Right. It's really hard to 
you know, you, you actually make it harder to create a dream and deliver on that dream. It's, it's so funny. I, I, when you said that, I haven't thought of this story in years, but I think I think it was like four or five years ago, we were sitting in this executive boardroom with this church and we had just presented the budget and it was like X amount of dollars for 500 seats in the, right. their campus. And the executive pastor walked in, he looked at the budget, he looked at the number of seats and literally he said, I don't care what it's going to take, but I want 700 seats and I'm not giving you a penny more. Figure it out. And he left. <laughs> like, like we, we all flew in for that meeting and it was like five minutes. And then he left and we were like, oh no, what, how, that can't be done. Right. <laughs> so we all just left. We didn't even pray about it. We just, <laughs> I was like, dude, this is not going to go well. So we had one of our team members who flew back to Southern California. When he landed, he texted me and he said, I think I figured it out. And I was like, that's the moment you want. Right. You know? So I love that. I love that. Well, okay. So I often. So now every one of our clients is going to hear this and go. (laughs) We can always ask for a little bit more and squeeze it out. It's a good move. Yeah. Uh, So (laughs) I I have a weird dual-sided brain because most of my family is from, they're pastors, bivocational pastors, smaller churches. That's the way I grew up. So then I start to put on that hat for a moment. Mm -hmm. What can smaller churches do with their space, what you know, yeah. pros and cons, advantages or disadvantages. You know, what what are they probably not thinking when they first hear a, a guy like you start to talk, and they're like, "Well, oh, that's for no." The I'm church down like the road. when I when I say I'm I'm serious about the outdoor space. Right. Drive in your parking lot and look at the outside of your building, and think about what. What if this was like a restaurant? What would you expect them to do? You would have some tables, chairs, some umbrellas. Like umbrellas can change the game. Like you'll have to put them up and down for storms and stuff. I get it. But those type of outdoor just furniture places, like creating some of these uh, places for people to connect in the outdoor space is really, really great. And it can just happen with just like getting some furniture out there. Paint can go a long way too. It's surprising to me. I think... I'm starting to notice this. There's a couple of trends that I'm starting to see that people are going to regret later on. <laughs> um, you know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. starting to see every church starting to paint their building white. I, was about, I, was, I knew you, you were going there. You, you, I'm just driving around Nashville and you see it. Oh that's my gosh. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, I think that's hitting the peak. And now they're like, oh, every church building is looking like Chip and Joanna. Mm-hmm. You know, it's we, the Waco effect. <laughs> it is the add the ship lap. Um, <laughs> but yeah, every every church is doing that, and I'm seeing a lot of churches do this. They were from 20 years ago. This, you know, industrial furniture that had, looks like has gears in it and metal and wood, and right. you know, you know what I'm talking about in yes. you know, World Market. So <laughs> just go to World Market. There it <laughs> yes. is. Like lobbies are getting filled with that, and that was out like five years ago, but they don't. So, yeah. So, yeah. Well, how many questions have we done, by the way? I'm curious. Do you we, know? I think we've done about three. Wow. Done three. Wow. Yeah. We have follow up questions, too. That's good. We're still, we're I started still getting it. worried that we lost track of No, no, we're, we're great. We're, we're right on track. We're, we're, we're going to question four now. We're going to question four. Todd, do you want to ask? Ready. Sure. How are you seeing churches build spaces differently today than two or three years ago? Hmm. We're, oh, mention the, we're not going to mention the C word, but two or three years. <laughs> but there was a reason, probably. <laughs> there was a reason. Uh, has anything shifted post-COVID? Mm. I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't I don't think there's much that shifted. There were things that I 
suspected would shift. Yeah. And there, I guess there have been a few things like, <laughs> I love not saying that word. This is so great. Like three years ago, we would have constant conversations about from children's pastors trying to put in those tubes. You know, yes. like I want to do what Chick-fil-A has. Totally. I haven't had one in the past oh. year or two. And I think even if you go into most Chick-fil-A's, I don't know. They're, they're closed now. Yeah. yeah they they like turned it into storage for plates well, and stuff. They're, you know, basically a Petri dish. <laughs> pretty, much is, pretty much is. So those are done. And I think the people who made those are probably starting to struggle a bit. And they're trying to create new ways. But play environments are not out. They just do it a little bit differently. Yeah. You know? That's good. Maybe, maybe not two or three years, but what are some um, things that you are seeing shifting kind of just on the broad scale with, with church design? Okay, this is something that definitely I've seen in the past two or three years hit another level. Okay. okay. Huge, huge moment. Um, I think COVID freaked out a lot of executive pastors, I'll be honest. Um, toward the end of it, they were like, these are our best giving years ever for a lot of churches. Some really struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I think they looked at their resources and then they asked the question, what revenue streams do we have coming into the church right now? And for some of them, it was one and that was the tithe. Right. Um, For others, it was the tithe and the preschool that we shut down. Yep. You know? And so the question that started to get asked is how can we leverage what we have to create additional revenue streams? And um, one of the answers that I think churches started coming up with was we've got lots of land. Right. You know, there were a lot of churches, again, back to the years of the 70s and 80s, where they bought 60 acres of land where they were planning on building the 7,000 seat auditorium because that was the dream of the day, you know, and that that was the mark of a successful place. If you had, you know, three, four, five thousand seats. And so they had that land and it was on prime locations. The the community has now grown around them. And now the church is actually plopped in the center of that land like an island unto itself. Mm-hmm. And the land that separates them from community is almost like a moat right. <laughs> of just like separation. It's like they're not incarnate. They're separate from by how they're laid out. And so we saw a lot of churches say, hey, we've got this land. How can we leverage this asset that we have to maybe develop it, mixed use development in a way that actually brings the community closer to us? creates additional revenue streams and really activates our property seven days a week. Right. Um, And not to mention, we'll we'll go back to length of stay, right? If, if that's like on your front porch, the length of stay just goes a little out the door. I mean, it's like they just stay for hours because there's this blur between the church and the community. And now the church is in the heart of the community. So I think a lot of people, a lot of churches are looking at their assets and saying, first of all, we will probably never build an auditorium bigger than twelve to 1,500 seats. I'm hearing that a lot. Yeah, I was about to ask that. I mean, yeah. I, I know a few churches that come to my mind that they intentionally actually went smaller. Yeah. So uh, how are you? Yeah, you're, you're yeah. seeing that shift We're, to uh, the, no the, more than 12. We, yeah, it's usually uh, twelve to 1,500 unless there's a couple of unlesses. Unless, gosh, I don't want to call it a celebrity pastor. Unless the, the pastor is one of these people that you can't, you can't put it on video and it works, Hmm. you know, then those will do the 2000 seaters or 2,500 seaters. But most churches are like, we're doing 1200 seats. If we get bigger than that, we're going to do campuses. That's the strategy. When you lock that in your mind and say, we got 1200 seats, which means 600 cars, which means X amount of square feet per person. 
we've got a lot of land that we're never going to use. And churches are leveraging that like crazy right now. Um, I think in the future, even as I think some of the stats and the Barna people are saying the tithe is going to go down. I mean, I think, I don't know if that's true. I don't know that I agree with him. He's smarter than me, but I do think that creating additional revenue streams is a super smart move. I think revenue streams are really important. If you look at how different generations give, it's not that they give less, it's the slice of the pie is different. So like I'm an Xer, but if I'm truly honest, uh, because of where I grew up and you know, all of that, I probably have somewhat of an institutional mindset, which sounds really weird coming from a guy who spends most of his time in technology and is (laughs) seems very anti-institution. But when it comes to the church, I w- yeah. I'm a dyed-in-the-wool Baptist. I got a tithe, and yeah. whatever I give on top of that is is gravy. But I got a tithe to my church, so yeah. yeah, I'll sponsor this kid or give to your mission trip or whatever. Now, I think a younger generation typically will be like, oh yeah, well I do smile train and I do compassion yeah. and I do this thing, and some of those things aren't even Christian, but. Right. And yes, I give some to my church, but in their heads, my church doesn't need as much money or maybe my church isn't as good at marketing (laughs) as this other thing is or whatever. It's just, they just see it differently. They see that. I don't, I think, and I can't remember who the research is from, but the research I think still says they give just as much. It's not that they're not giving. It's the way that they slice the pie. Yeah, so for, yeah, we could we could definitely see that that need. What's been really cool for Visioneering is like a lot of churches don't know how to do this development piece. They're like, yeah, we've got extra land. Now what? Do I, who do I call? How do I do this? And what's really cool, it reminds me a little bit of Nehemiah, where <laughs> we can have other people pay to have the kingdom built. You right. know, and so we have we've got people who come to us regularly and say, listen, I've got a billion dollars I want to park in senior living. So if you have a church that wants to put senior living on their property, I'll pay for it. Hmm. And so we've got a lot medical office, senior living, mixed use development. And so there's some really great marriages that can happen where churches come to us and say, hey, we've got this land we want to use and our team comes and pays for it. We do the architecture, we do the construction, we lease it out, and before you know it, the church is getting a monthly check or a a one-time check or whatever, and it's a win-win for everybody because when we plan, we're about the kingdom. So we wanna create environments that connect to the church. I've seen so many developers across the country when they get a piece of church land, most developers will leverage every square foot of that for the bottom line. You know, and so when churches do that, a lot of times before you know it, the church is staring at dumpsters or a bunch of privacy fences. Right. And it's it's not a big win for the church. But if somehow we can create a community connection between these assets in the church and basically make the church the coolest backyard in the neighborhood. Right. Then I think it's a huge win. Hmm. Well, as we move to the last question, we'll, we'll wrap it. it up pretty quick. I just want to ask this question, and maybe there's not five or ten tips, but we're kind of thinking best practices when it comes to design. Anything that comes off the top of your head, and maybe somebody's sitting here going, man, Dave, I'm tracking with you. We really want to make some progress in our design and our environments. Are there maybe like three to five low-hanging fruit best practices that you're like, hey, 
we've seen these in, in a lot of the churches that we've worked with. It may just be something as simple as rethinking lobby, outdoor mm. space, anything that comes to mind. And there may not be, but just wanted to see if there was anything to, to wrap up. I love, I love just throwing that out there a lot. Um, I think one of the things that a lot of churches could do, and especially where you're not building a brand new building and you're just trying to repack it because it's not working. One thing that I think a lot of people can do is start thinking in districts. Like this is our kids district and everything is kind of in one area of the church. It's almost like you organize your drawers at home. This is my sock drawer. This is my pants drawer. This is my t-shirt drawer. You need to think of your property in, in districts. This is the community space, the collective community space. This is our kids district and everything kind of needs to be together. And for a lot of churches, believe it or not, they could simply move rooms around And because we've always done it this way, they can't think outside of the box. But if you start thinking, and how do we create a kid's district and have everybody in the same corner of the building? And how do we create a youth district and adult education district and offices district and start really districting the building? I think there can be a lot of easy low hanging fruit that you can really start to take advantage of. It makes wayfinding way easier, like navigating the building intuitively when there's districts. Now you're guiding people to districts, not rooms. Right. And that's way easier. That means there's only like four or five things on the sign instead of like 20. I do think that ties back in well to what you were talking about earlier with length of stay. Mm. Because if I have a district mentality, it's not just how long can I get these people to stay in the lobby. It's how long can I get that family to stay in kids and look and and interact with other kids. Not necessarily leaving them in the room, pick up your children. (laughs) Um, But how can I get them to, you know, connect there? What what can I do in that specific ministry area to, I don't know, make them linger a little longer? Yeah, I did did think of something that I wanted to share about your previous question about things that have changed in a couple years. I know that I'm blowing up the thing right now, but whatever. Um, I think one thing that definitely has changed in the past three years is the office space. Like, churches are completely rethinking office right now. Like, we found out that this person who had a full office, actually, they really only need to come in one time a week. (laughs) Right. They don't need an office. They need a touchdown station. And um, Zoom, we need to figure out Zoom meetings all of a sudden. Right. You know, and I I can't tell you how many offices we've repacked and redone in the past two years. I think it's hit an epic high. Yeah. Have you seen any churches? Sorry, I'm blowing it up now. Go for it. Uh, Have you seen any churches effectively host people who are work from anywhere or work from home in their community because you'll hear of sometimes churches saying, oh, well, you know, we've got Wi-Fi and we've got this, that. We're, we're going to invite people here. But if that environment isn't there, yeah, it's, it ain't going to work. It's incredibly environment driven. I, I know when I'm over in Cincinnati, I'll go to a church called Crossroads Church. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't do it during COVID because they were hardcore shut down. But um, they keep their lobby open and they keep a coffee pot with coffee going there. Mm-hmm. And it is just super sweet. And I feel cool <laughs> being there, you right. know. And so I know that environment works, but I know a lot of churches say that. But it's like, we'll put coffee in the fellowship hall and you guys can come and work in the fellowship right. hall. And just like, I had to feel like I'm going somewhere, you know. Right. Yeah. Okay. I had a buddy at their church totally 
took out their one of the sides, which was all their offices, and removed it yeah. to make it more of a lobby, yeah. a gathering space. And they yeah. said, hey, we have we have rooms that where we can touch down and, and have staff meetings, and it's really changed their their environment a ton. That's amazing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, I was like, whoa, you're doing what? So, I, I heard I'm, NT Wright did that. <laughs> when, you were, when you were talking to him, right? It's just so weird to be like, okay, yeah, what he said was really cool. What are they thinking with those wires? <laughs> Why, how has somebody not dealt with that? Like, it's just ridiculous. They don't have fire code there. It's fine. Yeah, I don't guess so. There's no man. fire marshal. I don't guess so. Well, hey, before before Todd keeps name dropping, <laughs> we're going to go ahead and I wrap did not up. Named, I was not, I was making <laughs> a point that, that this was, was a, a serious name drop. Like, was, I met with C.S. Lewis last week. <laughs> just saying. That's great. Well, Dave, thanks so much for joining us today and talking uh, about all this. Hopefully this has been helpful to you and your leadership and maybe even as you rethink your church, your property, your design. And uh, we hope that you tune in next week. See you next time.